Hello, and welcome to Season 4 of For the Love of Duluth podcast. My name is Tom Jamison. I am a former lawyer who moved to Duluth about seven years ago after I bought a business here called Lake Superior Medical Equipment, hanging up my lawyer hat after 25 years. Joining me as co-host of this podcast is a lifelong Duluthian, a registered nurse, and the marketing director for Lake Superior Medical Equipment, Yvonne Myers. So why did we start a podcast called For the Love of Duluth? Because we love this town and the interesting people, places, and experiences that we continue to discover here. If you already live in Duluth, we hope this podcast will teach you things you never knew before about the place we call home. If you are planning to visit Duluth, we hope this podcast can act as a tour guide of sorts, giving you an inside look at the remarkable people, places, and things that make up our unique city. Duluth is a star of the show, and our guests help it shine even brighter. We hope you love this podcast as much as we love the city it's named for. This is Season 4 of For the Love of Duluth. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you love Duluth as much as we do. The Zenith City truly has it all, from our picturesque landscape to unique businesses to booming industries, all set against the backdrop of glorious Lake Superior. To list everything that makes Duluth great would take forever. There's a reason we are on our fourth season of this podcast and counting. The city was once home to more millionaires per capita than any other city in the country, and today is home to people from all walks of life, from college students to tourists turned residents to those working in finance, mining, and shipping. Healthcare also dominates as a leading industry responsible for about 30% of all employment in Duluth. It's no secret Duluth is growing, and as the fifth largest city in the state, this growth also means big responsibility for the city. The Planning and Economic Development Division is in place to tackle that growth and help it continue in a positive direction while also working to combat existing issues. Together with a team of about 40, the division works day in and day out, tackling things like housing goals for the area, developing businesses, advancing infrastructure projects, and so much more. With a population of 86,000 residents and about 36,000 households, doing any of these things, let alone all of them, is no easy task. The Planning and Economic Development Division of the city is also responsible for promoting economic vitality and job retention. While the population of Duluth hasn't changed much in the past decade, that's quickly changing, bringing about new needs like affordable housing and the resolution of certain environmental issues that plague the area. Even then, the work of the Planning and Economic Development Division isn't done. They also work with community organizations to help low-income individuals and neighborhoods have a major hand in transportation planning and business development. Their to-do list is long and ever-growing. Keeping things moving and moving in a positive direction is no simple feat. It takes a leader with loads of experience and a passion for the city we call home to take it all on. That's why Chad Ronchetti is the perfect man for the job. As the new director of the Planning and Economic Development Division for the City of Duluth, he has it all. Experience, passion, and the drive to tackle that very long list of tasks and projects. It's no wonder he was handpicked for the job back in August. With 10 years of experience in business and economic development, both in the private sector and public sector, he put all that experience to good use when he officially began his new role in 
September of 2023. Now that he's had a little time to get settled in, he joins us for this episode of For the Love of Duluth to talk about his new role and his future plans for the city. Chad, thanks for being here today. I'm, I'm happy to be here. We're so thankful that you could be here. We know you're a busy guy, uh, but we do want to start and just sort of talk a little bit about your journey and uh, how you wound up uh, doing what you're doing with Duluth. So are you, you're not from originally from Duluth, are you? That's correct. I was uh, born in Hibbing. Okay. Um, so that is the one thing I share with Bob Dylan. Uh, <laughs> Is 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 that? However, I when the mines turned down in the eighties, right? Uh, my family, like so many, uh, picked up and and went went elsewhere. Uh, and so I spent most of my life in Prior Lake, Minnesota, which is sure southern suburb of of the metro. Sure. Okay. Did you, so? Did you go to high school and everything in, in Prior Lake? I did. We spent uh, between the age of four and when I en- entered fourth grade, we moved eighteen times. And so eighteen times. Eighteen times. So I still wow. actually have my stick with the bandana and some things in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, uh, we moved around a lot, but we did finally settle in Prayer Lake in about fourth grade. So, you know, um, I once ran away from home and I had a bandana and a, a baseball bat that I put my little stuff on and ran away from home. It only lasted for about six hours. But, you know, I can relate. I ran away to the rafters of the garage. <laughs> There you uh, go. And that was in Prior Lake. Uh, but yeah, I did graduate high school in Prior Lake. Okay, so, so 18 to 18 times. Yeah. And why did you wind up moving 18 times? You know, my parents were a bit nomadic uh, yeah. just in and of itself. Uh, but there was also, you know, the, the 80s uh, were a little bit of a tough time no oh, matter where absolutely. you were in Minnesota. So my dad did everything. Uh, my dad was the primary uh, income earner and he did everything from tree care to used car sales uh, until we finally found a place to land and my parents decided you know uh, I think it's best for our kids if we just stick in one spot right um, right I, frankly it was the best decision they ever made so when did you sort of land in prior lake for the duration then for when you went to high school well now you're asking me to date myself um, well I am but yeah, if you dating yourself is what I guarantee is far less painful than me dating myself <laughs> so let's see fourth grade let's see my daughter's in fourth grade so she's nine so I would have been somewhere in that ballpark Park, so it would have been late 80s, 88, okay. 89, somewhere in there. Um, and so that's where I spent most of my life. Uh, but then I spent my 20s uh, running around the country chasing six packs. So I was I was one door to another, one couch to another, living out of the car, lease to lease, kind of carrying on the family tradition. Okay, well, that's so that's pretty cool. But you just made a leap. So we're, oh, we're, we're going to finish in prior life. Okay. You, you graduate high school in prior life. Go Lakers. Yes, you, you graduate high school in prior Prior Lake. Yes. All right. And then, so, 1999. So that, 1999. Yeah. And I love right. this whole idea of a nomadic existence going from home to home and, and bar to bar and all that stuff. So, so what did you do after you graduated in Prior Lake? So I was working at Hollywood Video at the time uh, when I sure. graduated high school. Sure. And I realized there might be more than that. Uh, nothing against Hollywood Video. Right. Um, but, uh, but I, I decided my buddy and I woke up one morning and we said, you know, where should we, what should we do? And we threw a dart at a map, and it landed on Pahrump, Nevada. And we said, "I don't even know where that is. That yeah. must have been." It's a, in Nevada. Yeah, and uh, yeah. It's, in, it's in the desert. Thank you. Yeah, and we were like, "No way, we're moving to Pahrump, Nevada." So, but the closest major metro was Las Vegas. So, okay, we packed everything.
everything we owned into his Jeep Cherokee and my Saturn. Uh, and I don't remember the base model. Anyway, it was small. Right. We didn't own a lot of stuff, right? And we So we traveled and it took us two and a half days to get to Las Vegas and we had no lease. We had no plan. We, we just I moved. just love the amount of strategic thought that went into this life, potentially life-changing decision. It was a so literal you, dart at a map. You had a map and you threw it. And what was the name of the town it actually Pahrump, hit? Pahrump, Pahrump. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. But there was a casino. Yeah. Well, there are in most most towns mm -hmm. in in uh, mm -hmm. Las in Nevada. So you wound up driving out to Las Vegas, no job, right. and and not necessarily a real plan. <laughs> so, which is interesting because you're now a city planner. But but at that time, <laughs> you weren't a city planner. You weren't even a life planner. I was no planner. Yeah. At all. That's right. Right. Correct. So yeah. so but but these are these are just great this is also it's a part of the journey that i just find so fascinating so you're in vegas what happens next uh we live in our cars for a while um we uh we searched for a job because in order to buy liquor you need to have a job <laughs> right and right. so um we decided to look for jobs which was great we ended up uh, both getting jobs as contract security uh and so we worked i did uh, rotate uh, i'd work anywhere from a rental car agency where i'd check licenses on the way out to working the hotel beat uh you know overnights guarding the floors walking around conferences whatever whatever and wherever the contract outfit sent right i was not an armed guard so i wasn't i wasn't doing they didn't trust me with that right uh, but they did trust me to walk around right which was cool um uh, so we did that uh lived on the north side of vegas just south of the air force base um uh, and yeah we did that we worked and drank and that was that was the life um right. I, I did that for oh boy about a year and a half or so so at um, some point you didn't work live in your car anymore you correct were, yeah, yeah sorry yeah we did get an apartment okay we did share right, an apartment. Good, good. uh you couldn't see the floor from all the beer cans <laughs> yeah uh it was it was wild um and there were it was it was an experience to be sure but i didn't really care for vegas and again right. just like hollywood video nothing against vegas right uh, right and so we uh he decided my buddy decided to stay he was like a glorified amway salesperson uh but uh at the time also and he was really hooked into what that, do you mean glorified amway it was it was like a toy thing i don't i don't remember the oh name. so it was it was an amway like amway, marketing yes. uh, multi-level marketing thing but it wasn't amway correct okay um, right. and so he was really hooked into that and, and i said well i'm out of here so i i left and then i ended up moving to uh, st louis uh missouri for a while because i had a buddy that was going to college there i lived in my car there for a while uh and then so you've lived in your car now in in las vegas so, and you've lived in your car in st louis what's a better city to live in your car in St. Louis. The, it's Saint not Louis? as hot. Okay, right, yeah. right. The, the beautiful thing about my Saturn was the back seats folded down. So you made a bed and that was that was comfortable. So you just sleep with your feet in the trunk and you're good. Right. But anyway, uh, so. Yeah, I got to figure after a year or so that gets old. You're 20. Yeah, that's you know, true. Like, that's true. Um, that is on true. on a rock. It's yeah. fine. I could yep. I could eat in Tupperware. It didn't yeah, matter. that's true. So we um, <laughs> lived, in, so lived in St. Louis. Uh uh, and then moved. I ended up moving back to Minnesota because um, I was homesick, uh, but then and tired of living in my car. So I lived with yeah. my parents for a little while in Burnsville, and then I ended up moving to Brooklyn Park, and then I lived kind of in St. Paul and other places. So I ended up moving around the major metro for a while, uh, and that all brought me to about 2007. Okay, so 2007. So yep. what year did you graduate? High 1999. School? Now 2007. Yes. And you've kind of, I assume during this time, you've had various jobs 
jobs as well? Mostly in, in contract security still. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, mostly contract security. No real plan. Okay. All right. So 2007, you're you're now at 2007. What happens next? Yep. So I'm living in St. Paul, studio bed, a studio apartment, a bathroom so small you had to like turn around and back in, right? Like I right. couldn't afford <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah. And that's, so that's, thank you for that visual. You're welcome. <laughs> so I, I, I ended up, my buddy, the same buddy that I was living in Vegas with had moved home uh, in the interim and he he had met a, a, a partner and was marrying her um, and so uh, he asked me to be the best man and so I agreed since you know um, I'd left him in, in Vegas and felt bad about that and so um, we at at the rehearsal, there was a gal, uh, and I saw her from across the Rose Garden in St. Paul or Minneapolis or wherever the Rose Garden is down south. Uh, and, it's in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis, and uh, I remember I remember this day as as clear as any other. And uh, from the moment I saw this gal from across the Rose Garden, my heart sank, and I was I wow. was smitten. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I remember she turned and looked at me and smiled. At least I thought it was me. Uh, it turns <laughs> out she may have been smiling to the person next to me, but either yeah. way. It, I, I was like the cartoon yeah. character with the heart yeah. beating out of the chest, and that was it for me. Uh, so it turns out she was actually the uh, the maid of honor, and so uh, and so you know, being the the best man, like we were forced to be together, and that was really fortunate wow. for me. So really, there's a I don't want to get into the whole story. Uh, my buddy's uh, future wife didn't like me, and so she poisoned the well with her best friend, and I had this huge hill to overclimb. Anyway, uh, there, there's some background there, but we won't get into that. She was from Duluth. Uh, she was born okay. and raised in the Kenwood neighborhood um and so um we started i i the kenwood neighborhood in duluth correct she yes, was from yes, right, yes, kenwood yes. neighborhood in duluth and um because there's a kenwood neighborhood in minneapolis it's oh fair yes, i didn't yes, know that yes, actually yes, your your yeah. geographic skills yes, are yes. impressive so we um where was i oh yeah uh love so we i made some incremental gains on the hill and we ended up dating and um and we dated for maybe a month and i was like okay this is dumb like why why are we so far apart uh, i I'm not going to change my mind. So I yet again pulled around Chetty and I quit my job and I moved to Duluth, right? And that's right. what I do. Why not? Uh, to her, she was like, she's the kind of person who's solid foundation, you know, comes from a family that lived in the same house her whole life and, right. you know, went to college and, you know, did all the, uh, like the steps. And anyway, so I moved to Duluth and this was eye opening for her. Like, I can't believe you just quit your job and not have one. I was like, well, you just met me. Um, and so uh, I remember this day though. Uh, oh, sorry. That's when I moved to Duluth and I, I, I lived with her aunt for a while, but uh, while I was there, while I was in Duluth uh, courting her, Duluth was courting me, and and I I just like you fell in love with this place. Right. Um, there, I remember I, the the first job I got in Duluth was working at what was the Red Roof Inn uh, over top of Thompson Hill. Um, I don't know what it's called now, but it's it's the hotel up by Spirit Mountain on right. the west side. On the on the west side. Of, right. And right. Uh, I was an overnight auditor, and I was you know doing the things and working. Uh, but there was it was late fall, and um, I remember coming down Thompson Hill, and I was somewhat new. I'd been there maybe a couple months, and uh, I remember coming around the bend by the paper mill uh and i i remember seeing like industry juxtaposed with the natural beauty and i remember there was sea smoke coming off the lake and i was driving up to 21st and the trees along the lake were covered in frost and uh the the sun was rising right because i was coming home at, from the overnight and the ice was alive with the colors of the rainbow and i was like whoa like this right this place is magic right and so i knew 
knew from that moment on, no matter what happened with uh, the girl, I was going to stay. Um, you were hooked. I was hooked. Yeah. And I was going to stay in Duluth. Duluth was home. It was, uh, it, it got into my soul. And then a couple of years later, we moved. But that's, that's beside <laughs> okay. the point. All right. Uh, All right. Well, we'll get to that. I think. All right. You got, yeah. That's, right. Th- th- thank you for that. So we were just spellbound by your, your <laughs> falling in love with Duluth and realizing you were never going to leave. And, and, and then you leave. So, right. so, so where you, when you leave, where do you go? So, uh, my, my, uh, beautiful and amazing wife, um, who I learned through some hard knocks usually has better ideas than I do. Um, and she's, she's a planner, right? right. Um, and so, uh, as are you now, as, <laughs> I'm, I'm still a geographer at heart, yeah. I'll just say, but my, uh, my wife, my actually girlfriend at the time said, if you're going to walk with me, you kind of have to walk straight. And so, uh, she's like, you should go to college. And I said, okay, what's college? Um, and so, uh, we started that conversation. And, uh, so I, I was the UWS. I went to UWS first. So okay. now I share something with Bob Dylan and I share something with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is cool. Uh, those are my two like celebrities. Wait, wait, he went there? He did. Yeah. I he didn't know UWS. that. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, so cool, right? I watched this thing, on uh, the documentary on Netflix or what? And I don't remember. They didn't that. mention UWS? No, they did not. Come on. So they he did, did not. He did. He went to UWS. That's pretty cool. It's my claim to fame. Um, so I went to UWS, fell in love with geography. Um, because geography was like the melting pot of all the earth sciences. Um, and actually everything in, in the world has geography, right? right? Everything right. has a place and every place has a thing and uh, everything changes over space. And anyway, I could talk geography too, but, um, so, but then they didn't have a robust program at UWS and, uh, having learned some financial sense from my girlfriend at the time, actually her and her father, cause her father's like, you gotta be more careful with your money. And I was like, what's money? Isn't that just like equal beer? And so... <laughs> Uh, so I, I, with reciprocity, I was able to go to Eau Claire, which was my wife's uh, alma mater from her first degree. Oh, okay. And so well, your first degree, she's yeah, got more than one. She has two bachelor's degrees, wow. so she's not only a better planner, she's also more intelligent. So, which is great. Like well, I don't right, know how I right. married up. But. Some of that's gender. <laughs> Not going down that rabbit hole, but I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, uh, so Eau Claire, they had a good they had a good geography program, and um, yeah, so that's where we went. And she got a second degree while I was getting my first, because um, she had she not to get into her story, but she uh, was a was a music person, and she um, lost her ability to play the fr- flute, and so she needed to find another career, and it just so happened the the universe uh, aligned for us to be able to go to school cool. together, which I don't think I would have ever completed college without her support well, so um, I don't think I would ever like be in life if it weren't for her support so anyway so yeah Eau Claire I was an environmental geography comprehensive major um, and I graduated in 11 so I went through college in the height of the 08 recession uh, which was a really good place to be right um, and then uh, out of college uh, at Eau Claire I took a job in Kansas City and that's why we ended up moving was because I took a job with Garmin uh, out of college Oh, interesting. And in 11 okay. jobs weren't super easy to find. No, no, no. Um, and so that's what I took was was Garmin uh, down in Kansas City. The, Jeep, the navigation GPS yep. company. Yep. So, um, so we took the job and we made a run at life. Uh, so yet again, I moved. Um, and this was my wife's first time like moving away from home. I mean, she had spent some time in uh, in England for some music stuff. Well, and in Eau Claire, right? And in Eau Claire. Yeah. Um, but like her first time ever having a house, right? Right, right. So that was quite the experience. But um, 
I worked at Garmin for eight months, three weeks, and two days. Uh, loved every minute, obviously. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, yeah. It's nothing against Garmin, nothing against Las Vegas, nothing against video, but I, it, it just wasn't, I was drawing boxes around stuff and it didn't thrill me. Right. Um, right. It wasn't making good use of my technical capabilities. And so I took a job at an architecture engineering firm in Kansas City uh, where I was uh, quantifying environmental impacts. And this is where my real profession started. Uh, I quantified, used geographic information systems, which is Google Earth on steroids. Right. And, and we, um, I quantified um, environmental impacts for transmission lines. So those are the big overhead power lines. Right, right. Uh, and pipelines and, um, and power plants, siting power plants. And so that was all for environmental permitting. So that's when I started my permitting career uh, was at Burns and Burns and McDonald was the name of the, okay. the name of the. So we're, what, I'm trying maybe 2012 now, 2000. 2012. Wow, 12. Okay. Yeah, okay. Impressive. Well, so 2012, you're still in Kansas City, but you're starting to, you, you now have a job that you're starting to enjoy and at least maybe be a little intrigued yeah, about. Yeah. No, I love the job. It was super fascinating. Um, I got to spend days and days in cars, uh, ground truthing, um, you know, these routes because you have to build out networks for transmission lines and stuff. And uh, I would go out with the GPS and we'd I'd work with the archaeologists on, on their archaeological digs and I'd do the wetland delineations and the soil stuff um, for the for the soil work. And so I was in the field a lot um, and it was awesome, but it kept me away from home about 25% of the time. So oh, about a week did? a month okay. I was gone. Okay. Um, and I, I like being around my wife a lot, which is why right. I married her. Right. So, uh, that that makes things easier. It does um, for me. And so, yeah, um, yeah so... Uh, that took me away. But then my wife and I started talking about having kids, right? I mean, natural progression in our society. And so um, we were like, okay, I, I want to have kids, but I don't really want to have them in Kansas City. I love Kansas City. Kansas City is awesome. I miss right. two things, three things. I miss the restaurant scene. I miss the cicadas and I miss the barbecue. So, right, right, uh, right. Kansas City is awesome for yeah. those three And reasons. if you're a baseball fan, you got to love Kauffman Stadium. But that's, I did take in some yeah, games. Yeah, uh, the fountains, stadium. right? The fountains yeah, are awesome. Fabulous. Um, so uh, we ended up scheming, like, how do we get home, right? Uh, how do we get back to Duluth? That's where our heart is. We don't want to live here forever. It's a good job. Should we give it up? What should we do? And so I ended up proposing that I open an office in Duluth. Um, actually, the first step was, can I move to Minneapolis? Right. Uh, and then in, it, because they had an office in Minneapolis. And then the Minneapolis manager was like, yeah, but we really actually wouldn't mind something in Duluth. And I was like, wow, but I opened something in Duluth. And he's like, okay, but that means you have to do business development. And I was like, my dad was a used car salesman. Right. Like, don't want to do sales. Um, and he's like, well, you wouldn't be developing relationships over an hour. You'd be developing relationships over years. And I was like, oh yeah, that doesn't sound like sales. It was sales. But huh. uh, but it's sales from a lens of how do I help my client be successful right. rather than how do I help my, my own sales, right? My and in sales. reality, everything is sales. So true. Everything yes. is relationships. Right, right. Um, and relationships are really just you selling right. yourself. Right. Um, so I uh, totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's how we ended up getting back here as I opened an office for Burns and McDonald and we moved home. All right, Chad, we just have to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Lake Superior Medical Equipment, and then we will be right back. Lake Superior Medical Equipment is proud to announce some big news. They have opened two brand new locations. Nearly eight months after the fire destroyed their Duluth store and warehouse, the team at Lake Superior Medical Equipment has bounced back bigger and better than ever with a new storefront at... 
4730 Mike Colaleo Drive in Duluth. The new store is located in the lower level of the Bullion Center with more parking and a great new layout. That's not all. Lake Superior Medical Equipment has also moved their store in Cloquet. Customers can now shop at their brand new location at 907 Stanley Avenue, just a few doors down from their old store. Something that hasn't changed? The amazing customer service you have come to expect from Lake Superior Medical Equipment. Our friendly staff is ready and waiting to help you find everything you need in our two brand new locations in Duluth and Cloquet. Stop in and see the friendly staff at Lake Superior Medical Equipment today. Have a question? Give them a call at 218-727-0600 or visit them online at lsmedequip.com. In the meantime, keep up with everything happening at Lake Superior Medical Equipment on social media. Just search for Lake Superior Medical Equipment on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. All right, we are back with Chad Ronchetti, who is the city planner for the uh, city of Duluth, uh, which is the uh, sole the sole city the sole city planner. He's he's actually there's no one else in his department that works with him. So everything that happens in Duluth. Happens happens because Chad says I want this to happen. That's only if I listen yes, to myself. That's right. So Chad, when we when we had to take a break, you were just moving back from Kansas City to Duluth and you were starting with a company that you were with in Kansas City and you were um, developing their um, Duluth office. And are we talking what maybe 2013 now? Maybe 2014 that range something like that? I continue to be impressed. Yes, 2014. Okay, 2014. And we ended up um, we ended up buying the house that my wife grew up in from her parents in Kenwood. Um, so it was literally moving home for her. Um, and the inheritance came early, right? The attic was full, the shed was full, right? Things nice, were full, nice. Uh, which was which was great. Um, yeah. Uh, and we so we lived in Kenwood, um, right near where the Kenwood Village was constructed. Oh sure. Okay. So and actually the construction of the Kenwood Village is when I fell uh, when I became I shouldn't say fell in love. I became very intrigued and fascinated by city policy uh, because I watched it get built and I watched the whole development process from uh, having heard the stories of the neighborhood rallying around uh, keeping the Walgreens off that corner to uh, how it then became a much bigger uh, mixed-use development on that corner. And so... um, that that's kind of when I when I became intrigued by how that process works. And just for people familiar with Duluth, that is on the kind of corner between of Arrowhead and Kenwood. Correct. Yep, by the yeah. Kenwood Shopping Center there. Yeah. In the yep. Yeah. Well, and so um, so now you're you're really starting to see the I guess results, but also the process behind city planning and zoning fights and all this kind of stuff. So um, you're still with the company that you were first uh, that first brought you back to Duluth. Mm-hmm. How long did you stay there and, and what was your, your next gig? Yeah, I ran that office as the office administrator until 2018. Okay. Um, and in 2017, I believe, I got involved with the Earn Safe and Sick Time Task Force that was City Council appointed, uh, where we were looking at and evaluating a policy of uh, city-mandated uh, Earn Safe and Sick Time. I remember that because we were a, a city business. 
business. So I remember that. So you were keenly paying attention. I was keenly paying attention. And I think maybe like a lot of businesses thought it might be a good thing. I uh, just wanted to know what it was going to cost. We were fortunate that we had a PTO policy that was probably better than, than what was required under that. So we mm-hmm. weren't necessarily negatively impacted by that. But uh, it's interesting that you had that experience of being on that task force. It was very eye-opening. Uh, and that is um, that experience made me, made me really become uh, fascinated with where public policy and business intersect. Um, and they there, there tends to be some friction between public policy and business, uh, and it was it was a real um, it was a real eye-opening experience. Um, and I was contemplating uh, a political career and maybe throwing my hat in the ring for city council. Uh, but I had a family, and I know extra demands of the task force were enough, right? right. And, and so, uh, plus I'm trying to run a, a run an office, and I'm trying to grow a market, and I'm trying to be a good dad because I got right. two kids at this point, and trying to be a good husband and all the things. Um, so because I was stretched so thin, I really wanted to pursue that civic passion. Uh, and I really wanted to find a way to spend every day of my life working to make community impact and make Duluth become a better place. Um, and so I ended up, uh, through some discussion with my spouse, decided to, to move on from Burns and McDonald, and I took a job at the city of Duluth uh, doing economic development. Um, and I, I was actually a business developer at the time because that was before business development and planning merged. Um, but uh, I decided to commit my life to um, trying to reduce the friction between uh, policy and business. Right, which is huge. So talk about the business development. Talk about your role with the city at that time. Yeah, so my my, my job was uh, to try to facilitate development, to try to uh, help businesses grow, to help identify uh, alternative funding sources, you know, grants and working with partners like the local initiative support co- corporation to uh, or foundations or, or the entrepreneur fund or whomever had, and might have alternative pots of money uh, that would take on more risk. Uh, I would do, I like fell in, because of my geography background, I fell in love with um, identifying potential development sites around the city. Um, and so I really leaned into that, and it turns out that in develop in the land of development, sites and money are the two the two driving factors. Right. Um, and so uh, having a f- solid understanding of what sites were maybe off market available uh, became a real differentiator for me. Um, so anyway, um, yep. So and I, I did like a I started a business retention and expansion program for the city of Duluth, and that's where you meet face to face with businesses and you talk about what they're uh, what's going well for them and what's not going well and how the city can help and you know uh, those kinds of things. Um, and so that's that's the kind of work, uh, supporting small business, working with uh, local business groups. That's the kind of work I did at the city at the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that's work that really needs to happen. I agree. And and, uh, <laughs> and, and so that's uh, that's that's great that you had a passion for that. Um, and you you said, I think you did that for a couple of years. Yeah, I was there two and a half years yeah, or so. And then and then and then what happened? The position, I loved it. Uh, I loved the work. It was a really hard decision for me to move because to, to move on from that job because I woke up in the morning and I felt enthused and I felt excited because I knew that I was going to work for such a different reason than I ever had before. I wasn't going to work because I was helping a company add to their bottom line. I wasn't going 
going to work because, you know, I was trying to sell something. I wasn't going to work for any of those reasons. I was going to work because I was actually making a difference and I was helping right. businesses. I was helping others. I was helping development. I was helping get housing built for people to live in. I was, I mean, I was like really doing the work. Um, and so uh, at that time, um, Krauss Anderson and the the, the um, operations director uh, approached me and said, hey, would you ever be interested in coming over and working in the construction industry? And I said, no, not really. I'm good. Um, you know, thanks. I really like my job and I like all those reasons I just cited. And he said, oh, okay, uh, I appreciate that. And then about a month later, he came back and said, well, what if, what if, you know, you could do that stuff, but you just did it with us? And I said, well, what do you mean? Like, how does that work? Right. right. And, um, and so, and, and he, in, in discussions, it turned out I'd have, you know, a little more flexibility to lean in some of the things. And as we talked about the position, it was, okay, well, how can we help businesses actually, or businesses or developers or whatever the case might be, actually navigate the system, right? How you can go and you can find sites and you can start working on pre-development, project origination, you can uh, navigate you can navigate that policy, you can navigate the politics, you can you can navigate City Hall, and that was a real differentiator for them at the time, right? Uh, because we were helping to spur development from the very beginning, which is a very atypical approach from a construction company. Uh, but it gave me the ability to flex that community muscle and still do the work that I was passionate about. So uh, given the added flexibility uh, at Krauss Anderson uh, and the ability to have a full-on construction firm behind me to right. bring some of these things to reality, uh, I got, uh, no offense, Dan Markham, but I got, I got convinced that that was a good idea. So, so uh, when you say no offense to Dan Markham, <laughs> Dan but, was the was the operations director that convinced me to come over to Cross Anderson. Right, right, right. And Cross Anderson was an amazing place to work. Yeah, uh, they really let me run. Uh, they let you know they let me design the position and build it out the way that uh, as long as I was you know uh, I was doing the job that I was assigned to do, which was create work. They just let me go, and it was right. awesome. And the team was amazing, super sophisticated outfit, um, really great people committed to the work and and it really exposed me to the construction side of the industry uh, and how construction works and how project management works and uh, you know how how construction interfaces with with city hall which is something I've right. never seen and so uh, now you was, must have seen some of that from the city side of things most of the work yeah. I did at the city was on project origination right so okay. I was working with businesses helping them figure out how they could uh, maybe start a project uh, through financing and it was that business that would then contract with a Krauss Anderson or something you got so, it. so you weren't actually having that nexus with Krauss Anderson correct okay because if the way the department works at the city uh, and this is kind of taking the next leap but the way the department works is we we do everything planning and economic development does everything from long-term planning right at the very beginning where we go out and do comprehensive planning uh, we work with the community to community to identify our values to identify our character and who we are and we put that all into our, our working document which is the comprehensive plan and then from the comprehensive plan, the, the community development folks, which take uh, some of the HUD financing and the federal financing, along with the economic developers, drive the investment into our community. And then that investment, the, the planners and the zoning regulations make sure that that investment is done according to the comprehensive plan and, right. the, and the character and charm uh, that we've identified through that. Right. And that is the side of the house that I worked on. But what I didn't really see was the construction services side of the department, where once we've blended it with our community regulations and now goes into the state regulations where we have plan reviewers that look at the business, the, the construction plans and make sure that they're uh, being built lawfully in a court, right. uh, lawfully in order 
orderly. And then it goes to the inspectors who inspect it and make sure it's according to plan. And then we issue the certificate of occupancy. And hopefully at that certificate of occupancy, it's a building that is a physical manifestation of all the values and characteristics that we identified at the very beginning. Right, right. And sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. And I'd say in the doesn't category, you have maybe something like central entrance where you go through and just every building is different and and it doesn't look like there was a comprehensive plan. And then there's other areas where it looks like there's a comprehensive plan. Now we're getting into the fun stuff. Right, right, right. So you were with Krauss Anderson, exceedingly yep. happy I at was. that gig. Yep. Okay. And I so loved it. now you're, it, when did you start at Krauss Anderson? Uh, not long. It was what, 2020. So late 20, 2020, early, 20, early okay. 21. Because it was 21. just as the pandemic was. Okay. Just kind winding of. Winding itself into Well, its next yeah, phase, yeah. So you, yeah. People were vaccinated. People were right, coming right, out. Right. People were right. gathering again. Stuff right. like that was starting to go on. Here at Krauss Anderson, and you're there loving your job, and you're there yep. for maybe a couple of years. And Two then, and, a half. and then what happens? There's a pattern here. Right? Yeah, yeah. I move well, a lot. We know, we know how long you're going to be at your current job. No, actually, yeah. this is a 20 year yeah. career for yeah. me. If the, no. if, the, if the political winds allow, right, right, right. I will stay here for And we're going to get into that in a, in a second. But uh, but I, uh, my heart was always in City Hall because, right, right. you know, uh, as much as uh, working for Krauss Anderson was awesome and doing that work was serving the citizen, there was always that secondary piece of, you know, are, are we meeting sales goals? And you right. know, are we advancing Krauss Anderson objectives? And there's always that piece, right? Right, and, right. And I totally respect that and I get it. That's yeah. business. Yeah. And I have no qualms with that at all. But uh, my heart was always at City Hall where I knew uh, I was being paid by the taxpayer and I was working for the tax taxpayer and and my my main uh, purpose was to help the taxpayer right. to build a better community. Right. And so uh, the unfortunate passing of Chris Fleege, who uh, was the, the person in my position right. before this. Kind of an institution, right? He was, I don't know how long he was uh, the, in, in your position, but for quite some time, wasn't Yeah, it, it was a little over five years, I think. So. Oh, okay. I um, thought he was here longer than that. I think I think it was a little over okay. five years. Okay. Um, uh, and there's there's been a lot of change uh, in this position. Keith Hamray was before me, but then there was a merger and there, you know, before before that was Heather Rand. She was business development. But there's been quite a bit of tumult. Um, and so with Chris's passing, I decided to throw my hat in the ring um, and take a swing at it uh, because this, this to me, is the dream job. Right. There is no seat uh, in this place that I love uh, that is better able, uh, that is better situated to play in that arena of policy and business. This is the seat to do that. Right. And so it's a dream job. And it's not just the city. It's not just government and business it's there's so many other things because the city has lots of non non-businesses uh activities such as parks i know there's a separate parks department but it's all it's all part of the same city, it right? All, it all helps right. build sense of place, right? Exactly, yep. exactly. Obviously, this was a much sought-after position, and you throw your hat in the ring. Ultimately, there's a, I don't know if it's a task force that's looking at, the, at, at hiring this, but whatever it is, you obviously checked all the mm-hmm. boxes. You've got the perfect credentials for this, and you were eventually selected. I was just this good salesperson, one of the two. Yeah. I'm not sure which. <laughs> right, even though you didn't like sales, but now you realize well that's sales too i think you're selling yourself i think i you know i'm i consider myself humble uh my wife says i'm the most arrogant humble person she's ever met um <laughs> uh, but uh i consider myself humble and um you know 
whether or not I'm the perfectly qualified candidate for this, the thing I argued is that you're going to have a really hard time finding anybody that's more passionate. Right. And you you can't you can teach technical, but you can't teach passion. And 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 to me, I'm passionate. Right. Right. And that's clear, by the way, from from and we've had a lot of fun, but it's, your your passion is also absolutely clear. I appreciate clear. that. So you were you were selected, and and when did you actually start? Oh boy. So my wife does the dates. Uh, I'm more like the live in the ether person. Uh, let's see. I started. This is my month. I'm on a month. So what day is it? In October. So late September. Wow. Mid September. So, day after Labor Day. Okay. Day after Labor Day. And, Labor Day? and, yeah, and yeah. your your official title is is director of planning and economic development. Correct. I have is two it? titles. Okay. So my first title is the director of economic. Uh, sorry, what is my title? The Director of Planning and Economic Development right. for the City of Duluth. And I also am the uh, Executive Director of the Duluth Economic Development Authority. Okay. So that that is a separate authority from the city, though they, right. you know, like all other authorities, they are, are a part of the city. So, um, and I know that there was a uh, a Baker Tilly study done that predated when you arrived, but mm-hmm. it, it was I think it was fresh off the printer in June my or something. My coffee was still warm. Yeah, of, yeah. of 2020. And I, I just had a chance to kind of skim that when we, as I was preparing for this podcast. Mm-hmm. And like any uh, business consulting, they have to use the term synergy a lot. And I think, they, <laughs> I think they get kicked out of the uh, consultant union, union if they don't. If they, yes, the leverage yeah. and synergies. So there's a lot of that. But one of the things that did seem is that there was a, you know, improved communication and in almost all levels. Correct. And and uh, which is true of any organization, right? Um, planning more more important maybe than any city planning because you've got so many constituencies. And I know from uh, just being a business owner in Duluth and not necessarily a business owner that has any kind of ax to grind with a city because I, I really haven't had much of uh, an experience one way or the other with the city of Duluth. But I know from talking to other business owners, they've had frustrations with the city. Mm-hmm. And part of that may be a communication issues. But mm-hmm. is, has there been anything that you've tried to do in your short tenure at the job to sort of improve communications, not only with just the community, but m- maybe within the city itself, the city government itself. You want me to improve communication within city government? <laughs> wow, that's a tall order. Well, only if it needs improvement. <laughs> Every like you say, everybody can. I mean, even in my marriage, we can improve right. communication. Right? right. And so, yes, the the first thing I did um, as as the director was I I started scheduling one on one meetings with every person on the team, regardless yeah. of title. Uh, I wanted to meet with everybody. I right. wanted to understand from them uh, who they were, why they came to work, what their function was, how they saw their job from their perspective. You know, where they saw their piece fitting into the the uh, synergistically into right. the the whole suite of service. Right. And all of that was situational awareness for me, but really the main goal was to open lines of communication because, you know, if I come in and I'm some director up on some fourth floor that nobody knows and they hear my name or they hear my laugh on a, on a podcast, but that's all they ever see of me, that that's not uh, an environment of communication, right? open communication. So I'm still, I'm still about halfway through that now, uh, but, um, and it is a very large time commitment, but it is a commitment I'm very happy to make. And it, right. it's been amazingly uh, informative 
And yeah. and I think it's working, you know, uh, people, I'm getting to know names, they're getting to know my name, right? I know who has dogs and who's a cat person and, right. you know, so uh, all of that stuff and, and all, because communication, good communication really just boils down to relationships. Right. right? If you have a good functioning relationship, you're going to be open and you're going to be communicative and you're not going to keep things, uh, you know, too private, right? And right. So, uh, so that was the first thing I did. But I do think there, uh, there are some communication enhancements. My second step is to, and a part of what I'm doing with these one-on-ones is understanding how our two divisions, so we have two divisions within the department. We have planning and economic development, and then we have construction services and inspections. And so again, that's that full suite of service that I mentioned earlier. But those those two divisions, you know, how we communicate between the two divisions, I think needs some attention. And so that's kind of where I'm focusing, is how are we going to build some communication structure through, through best practices, through standards, through whatever. Uh, so if I go in to get a fence permit, uh, it's not actually just as a, a permit from zoning to get a fence. I also need a construction permit. Right. So I, I don't know that as a citizen. And when I'm when I'm talking to a planner, I think I'm talking to the city. And so uh, I I think they're going to tell me everything I need to know about my fence. Right. And so um, how can we do a better job of communicating outwardly or communicating within the divisions between the two divisions to know, oh, as a planner, I know you need a construction permit too. So I'm going to tell you that now so you're prepared. Right. Um, so it's finding places like that yeah. where we can build out a communication structure and and have more synergy right and i think and this synergy is so You're important welcome. yes well you know and that's that's so key right i think people people want sort of a one-stop shopping place if they've got to do something they've got Did you hear that don ness you, yes, yes, yes yes is that right sorry keep going all right don ness there's a name that hasn't been involved at least in at the mayoral level for quite some he time, started the one-stop shop at city oh he did so, yeah. okay i didn't know that yeah. see i didn't know that i thought that was i thought i I thought I invented that. So, okay, well, now I'm very, I'm deeply disappointed. Sorry. So anyway, but the idea is that you shouldn't have to go to a bunch of different departments in the city if you Mm -hmm. want to open a new restaurant. You ought Mm -hmm. to be able to talk to someone at the city who can say, here's what you need. You need A, B, C, and D. Here's where you get A, here's where you get B, here's where you get C, and here's where you get D. I think in a perfect world, that would be right. Right. Uh, Unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world, right? Right. So engineering is going to have their stuff and to expect a planner to know what engineering needs is asking too much. Right. right. And, so, and I, I think you hit the nail on, on the head, which is planning ought to know that you're going to need to see engineering and planning ought to know you're going to need to see someone here and planning ought to know you need to see someone there. That's yeah. the issue. And maybe and, we're not there yet. But if I'm a Duluth business and I want to know, I want to do it right. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I do this completely according to all the rules and regulations, it shouldn't be that hard to get answers. It ought to be able to get someone at the city ought to be able to tell me what I'm going to need for here. Not necessarily specifically what I'm going to need in terms of engineering, but I'm going to need to talk to the engineering department. So we do have a thing... uh Yes, uh, they they don't call it the city hall shuffle for no reason, right? I mean, this is classic city government. Right. Watch Parks and Rec, right? I mean, this is this is right. a thing. So we at planning are not going to be able to solve the the city hall shuffle. Right. But what we can do is we can work to make progress towards solving right. it. So part of my vision is to eventually, and how we pay for this, because asking for tax increases is really hard. And so, you know, how we pay for these these kinds of ideas, I, I don't know yet, but I'd love to have someone or a couple of people in, in the planning department that are project facilitators. And so you get a large project that comes into town and, uh, or is being proposed by a business, by a developer, by whatever, uh, and they're going to have to touch all these different departments. That project facilitator, facilitator helps move them 
them around City Hall. Say, that would be great. Right? Kind of like an ombudsman, an something ombudsman, like that. But this. nobody really knows how to say that. So right, I think right, facilitator's right, right. easier. Um, <laughs> sorry. So, uh, but yeah, so that facilitator would do that. And um, and I, I think I think that would be really useful and have a single point of contact, right? Right. Who wouldn't negotiate on your behalf. No. They wouldn't They wouldn't be able to speak the language of all the departments. Right. We've made some gains uh, even before I arrived and kudos to the team for seeing the need. We do things like pre-application meetings where we sit down with someone who's going to apply for something and we try, we bring in different departments to identify her hurdles early before you even submit an application. We do things, pre-review meetings for construction services where here's what we're going to do before you actually enter plant review right. and these are the things we're going to require. So hel helping people get See. ducks in a row and um, and so we're, we're making we're making steps, uh, but it is city government. Right, right. It is government. It right. is bureaucracy and we have process and we have uh, red tape and we have these things and we have them for a reason. Right. Uh, we're never going to eliminate them, but how do we make it easier? And is that particular piece of red tape there for a good reason or is there something in there that's just bureaucratic red tape for the sake of being bureaucratic red tape? We, we as government have a habit of saying this happened back in 1972 and so we added this checkbox to this to this right. checklist to make sure that that doesn't happen again, right? right? And so can we maybe look back and say, you know, Chad really wasn't even a twinkle yet. So yeah. do, do we need to have right. this checkbox? Right. Right. So yes, there, we can always improve process. Well, Chad, always. first of all, I, I got to say, I'm being told that we are just about out of time, oh, which no. shocks me we because- We didn't get to any of the other fun questions I know, you had. I know, so I did all this preparation. We're, we're going to do, yes, we're going to do some God. rapid fire stuff because no. there's stuff that I, I like, wanted to ask you. Yes. So first of all, I know that there was a downtown housing study and I'm yes. fascinated by that because every downtown right now is going through the same thing, priority. right? They've, they've lost the downtown workforce or a substantial part of it. So there's all this vacant office space that's yes. not going to be re-rented for office space anytime soon. Correct. Yet, for instance, in Minneapolis, every single building that is being built downtown that's residential, either apartment or condos, it's sold before it's finished. Correct. It's sold out. And so there's this demand to live downtown now. And yes. I know that that's part of this new study that came out about Duluth and housing units in Duluth. So tell us about that real quickly and what sort of the plans are for that. Yeah, so that study can be found on the city website. Uh, it's like 165 pages. So when you're bored, have at it. But the the, the whole idea is it studied, it studied a capture rate. So most studies study a demand. They studied capture. And as we right. talk about, you know, climate refugees and things, and how many, how many of those folks would be captured if we brought on housing? And we could capture up to 2,000, a little more than 2,000 uh, housing units in our downtown in the next five years. Wow. And so that's, you think about that, 2,000 is a gigantic number. Now, how much of that is existing buildings? Yeah. And how much is new buildings? It's going to be both. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a beautiful historic downtown. Right. Uh, and the beauty of our downtown is that we have small floor, floor plates. And so, you know, when you look at some of the conversions, the adaptive reuses that happen in North Loop, they had to drill giant holes through the center of these warehouses in order right. to expose light. We don't have right, that problem right. in our downtown. We have small floor plates with windows. And so, uh, but redevelopment happens one block at a time, one building at right. a time, one investor at a time. Uh, so it's going to take intentionality and it's going to take commitment. And downtown is what I'm committed to because a downtown is the beating heart right. of a community. And if you don't have a functioning heart, your right. limbs fall off. And, and you know, in, in Minneapolis, I, I 
had a law office in the IDS Center in Minneapolis for many, many, many years and loved working downtown Minneapolis. Yeah. And yeah. it's just a different place now. And I don't know if you're ever going to see residential housing come into a building like the IDS Center. They're just so dedicated to, mm-hmm. to office space, but mm-hmm. you might. But, you know, my view is that everyone thought, well, this is going to be the COVID and, and, and people, uh, you know, working from home is just going to be the death of downtown. And in fact, that's just not happening, right? Mm-hmm. They're, you're getting this new life of downtown, but it's people living in downtown. And they may work from their new condo in downtown or their apartment in downtown, mm-hmm. uh, but there's vibrancy there. And yes. uh, and so I, I'm hope, very hopeful that we're going to see the same thing happen in Duluth. Now, we do have that big sort of gaping hole where I know that they, they tore down the hotel. It's, it's right across the street from the new Essentia Hospital. I know that's kind of been delayed. What's, can you, can you say anything about that? I can. All right. Uh, and I will. All right. But I'm going to go back to downtown and having okay. a thriving downtown just for one minute and say if people, if the citizens of Duluth want to have a thriving downtown and they want to see downtown be rejuvenated, the thing they can do is go downtown. And and our last podcast guest happened to be Blacklist Brewing. Go and throw some axes. There, yeah. There's, right? there's just Taking so, a show at North Shore. Right. Exactly. Do, do the things. Go downtown. A- absolutely. So uh, that is my number one plea here is go right. downtown. And, you know, it's it's always a chicken or the egg. There people go downtown. They'll also be downtown if they move downtown. Correct. Roofs and, before retail. Yes, yes. Well, and I think you need both. I do too, but I yeah. think retail follows roofs. I, well, it does. It because does. with a mass of people, retail will come. Yeah, re, right. Because so, retail follows people. It's, it's correct. A, yeah, whether whether they're they're living there or traveling there. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Back, to, back to the development site. Um, it is, I think I was quoted in the DNT as, saying it is visually displeasing uh, and I still believe that it is definitely visually displeasing right, right. Um, and it's it's only accented by this juxtaposition of a beautiful 900 million dollar right. investment uh, along with our you know our uh, one of our class A hospitality uh, destinations right, right so right, it's sandwiched exactly. between the two um, we we are looking so DITA is the the economic development authority we uh, are bringing forward uh, next week at our next meeting uh, an amendment to to DITA to amend the the development agreement for that development that will uh, as we are negoti- we're still negotiating it but uh, it should it should include a requirement that they begin construction in 2023 and so um, if if we are able to agree on that term and we are able to and DITA decides because I have no power over what DITA decides to do that's the it's, beauty of public body so if DITA decides to uh, uh, to authorize that ex- that amendment right. then we will move forward with that development agreement so right. that would then mean construction would start in 2023. Right. Talk a little bit about DITA and, and what they are and, and how they are connected or not connected to the, the idea of, of, of a city planning office. Sure. So um, I could do that. We're running out of time. That's we are running question. out of time. But DITA is an economic development authority similar to, though it's not a separate tax district, it's similar to a housing de- a redevelopment authority, HRA. It's similar to a DTA, a transit authority. It's similar to a port authority. A port. Well, that's yeah. a state authority, but yes, yeah. similar. And so uh, it's, it's, it's similar in that it is an entity that exists within the city structure but is not a city entity and that's it's an authority of the city right, right. airport authority and so on and so forth so uh, it has its own enabled powers where it can do things uh, for economic development purposes so that is the, that is what DITA is interesting so hopefully it sounds like we're uh, maybe weeks away from hearing something uh, more definitive on on the, the hole in, in uh, the ground part of what I yes. love about public process yeah. is that you can't predict it that's right so so 
Well, we know that uh, we know just be, you, you mentioned the class A um, hospitality area, which is the Sheridan that you're talking mm-hmm. about. We know mm-hmm. above the Sheridan, there are also condos. So we know that there's a market for certainly expensive condos. If there's a market for expensive condos, there's a market for inexpensive condos or apartments mm-hmm. as well. So hopefully someone will put it all together and, and uh, put something up there that uh, Duluth can be proud of. And uh, there's we so need, much to be proud of in this city. We need every form of housing from detached single family to townhomes right. to duplexes to 80% AMI workforce housing to luxury. We need it all. Exactly. And, and exactly. that is the only way we're going to solve the workforce problem right. is by building housing. Right. And that's business's number one priority is solving the workforce problem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think businesses are starting to understand that that means solving the housing problem. Indeed. In and, fact, they've created a fund called the Northern Housing Partnership yeah. uh, where they're all throwing, well, not all, not yeah. all businesses, but some of some businesses are putting money into a pot right. to act as like a bridge yeah. financing kind of fund construction at a lower interest rate. Well, and you're, you're people like Accenture actually, you know, getting involved in, exactly. in building building housing, and and so it's it's. It's all starting to happen. Very, very excited about uh, about what's going to happen in Duluth. I do want to ask you, we've got election, a new mayor is going to be elected, either Emily Larson or uh, her challenger. How tied is your position to the mayor? I work closely with the administrator, the city administrator, and, and the mayor. But you, you don't necessarily work at the pleasure of the mayor, right? In other words, the city planner is someone who can survive a change in mayors. So we, my position is... With within uh, a local union, uh, but it is not the ASME union. It's a supervisory union. Okay. Um, and so it's it's a smaller union of just the supervisors within the city. Okay. Uh, and so we, we are at will employees, uh, which means that we are at the will of the mayor and the chief administrative officer. Okay. So if, if a mayor decided to come in and totally change how the deck is uh, composed. Right. So I get that. And, and um, I think that's fine. Uh, you know, it's it's the mayor is the one who, uh, along with city council, right? Let's we are a strong mayor system, but we also have city council, right? And there's there are a lot of city councilors on this ballot as well, uh, and so there could be a total political shakeup, right? Um, and and but that's what that's what elections are right. for, Ex- right? Exactly. That, that is why people get out and vote, and I, and I hope everybody does, regardless of what their stance is, right? Um, I think I have a passion. For for community. I think I have a technical acumen. I think I have all the things that will keep me in this seat. But if uh, the any future mayor, whether it's Mayor Larson or another, uh, would rather see somebody else, then I'm a nomad. Yeah, well, you, you've proven that in your early years, that's for sure. So uh, hopefully you won't have to live out of your car uh, in the future. But I, I tell you... more marriage-based than yeah, yeah. job-based, I think. <laughs> well, Chad, I tell you what, uh, this has been such a pleasure. Uh, it's been a real um, learning experience, I think, for us. And uh, I wish we had more time. Uh, I will say this, uh, not to put in a political plug, but I will just say this. I hope that whoever wins the next the, the uh, mayoral race here in Duluth, I hope they have uh, enough good judgment to keep you on because I think um, it's so so clear your passion comes comes out and uh, as well as your expertise. And uh, I think they'd be hard pressed to find uh, someone to, to fill your shoes. And I appreciate and, that. Thank and you. Uh, I think you've got a long runway ahead of you and, and uh, can't wait to see what you do. So you have one quick question. We ask everyone this. When you're not uh, uh, doing your job that got you onto this podcast, what do you like to do in Duluth? Uh, outside of spending time with my family, uh, I like to do everything having to do with trees. I love yeah. trees. 
trees, whether it's identifying trees, climbing trees. Uh, but in particular, I love to uh, cut them down. I love to uh, block them. I love to split them. I love to stack them and I love to burn them. And then I love to go plant them. And so uh, I love trees. All right. Uh, and I love the heat that, that trees provide me. Yeah, very cool. Very that cool. That is not uniquely Duluth and I recognize that, but no. I can't do that in St. Paul. No, so, no, not as much. That's right. for sure. All right. Well, listen, uh, Chad, thank you so much. Uh, again, this has been uh, fabulous. You've been a great sport and a great really guest. Fun. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of For the Love of Duluth. Season 1, 2, and 3 are available now wherever you get your podcasts. All you have to do is search for For the Love of Duluth. Have a minute to spare? Leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We hope you are loving Season 4 so far. We'll see you next time for another brand new episode of For the Love of Duluth.